hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Miss Congeniality. I'm Eli. If you don't know, now you know. I hope you guys all had a wonderful week. This is a special guest episode of Miss Congeniality. Of course, we'll start with updates. We always do. But today I have the one, the only celebrity memoir book club, and we talk about celebrity memoirs. Now, here's the thing with me and celebrity memoirs, and if you don't know who Celebrity Memoir Book Club is, they are two girls, Claire and Ashley. They run a TikTok account called Celebrity Memoir Book Club. They have a podcast called Celebrity Memoir Book Club. They're hilarious comedians and pop culture gurus. And what I love about them is that I like to ingest my pop culture information in interesting and diverse ways. And this is a really niche way, but also like the way they talk about celebrity memoirs is really smart. It's like astute. And I feel like I'm not like scrambling my brain with more useless information. Like it feels like I'm a historian, um, a fucking scholar when I'm listening to their podcast and watching their videos. So I'm so excited for the interview because the other thing about me is that I have not read a lot of celebrity memoirs and I don't know if that would be my genre of choice, but I do want to know what is said in their pages. Does that make sense? So like they've cornered a market and I literally love that for them. Sorry, I just tapped the microphone. But above all, I'm really excited for the episode today. I did realize that I have read Tina Fey's memoir and that's pretty much it. And we talk about that one and we go over a bunch of different celebs, a bunch of different memoirs and it's a great interview and I'm really excited about it. But let's get into it with the updates because it's been a week. It actually hasn't been a week. I'm recording this on Tuesday. It's only been a few days since I last spoke to you guys, but I had a really great weekend. I don't remember exactly what I did ever, but let me think about this. Oh, so on Friday, I went out um, with my friend Macy and we went to Labane and I hadn't been to Labane in a while. If you don't know, it's a nightclub in New York City, nightclub rooftop. It's like it's like a chic hangout. I used to go a lot when I was underage, actually, so I haven't been back in a really long time, but it's on the top of the Standard Hotel, which is one of my favorite hotels in New York. I love the Standard Grill for a restaurant. So we went, we stumbled into a drag show. It was immaculate, no complaints. And then on Saturday, I got to go see Kinky Boots off Broadway, and I got to hang out with Kara, who's just wonderful, beautiful, stunning, never before seen, amazing. And the show was so fucking good. Now, I don't know why they chose to put it off Broadway when it was just on Broadway, and I think it's probably because they wanted to revive it, but it was too soon for a Broadway revival, so they wanted to see, like, how ticket sales went, and et cetera, and et cetera. But I was the hugest fan. I had actually never seen Kinky Boots, and the thing that I find most ironic and hilarious about Kinky Boots is that my ex-boyfriend he was a big fan he would always say it was his favorite musical but these days he's like pro-life and tweeting retweeting liking homophobic and transphobic things i don't know who that person is because that's not the person that i dated but i'm like how is your favorite musical do you know what kinky boots is about anyway kinky boots is about a like down on his luck shoe cobbler in england whose father passes away and leaves him this like ailing family business that's basically going under that makes men's shoes and the shoe cobbler is going to sell the business and he decides like you know what I can't lay off all these people they're my family I've done them my whole life this is my family business I need you to just like take the company in a new direction and then he like has a run-in with the drag queen and blah, blah 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 goes to a drag show and realizes his market is making um booted heeled boots for drag queens and he enlists the help of this drag queen named Lola to be the designer and it's this whole wonderful like story of love and acceptance and beautiful stunning wonderful costumes and everything else it's so good I highly recommend it if you don't 
already know all the music download it on your phone if you don't like theater what are you doing you know it's kind of like are you confused that's high art anyways it was really really good like I'm going back I bought tickets for my brother and mom because I want them to see it so I saw that and then I went to Dumbo house for the first time I don't know if I told you guys I like got a Soho house membership because I was like this is a really cool work from home space but also really good for like taking meetings but also it's like very chic and fun and the food's really good my agents had brought me there to celebrate the book deal so I was like oh I definitely want to be a member and then I sat in the membership like queue waiting to get accepted for like five months and I finally got accepted so we went to a date night there and we had food and drinks and we like sat on the roof and it was like really beautiful and amazing and then on Sunday I just really worked um everybody sort of parted ways from me my roommates are out of town and my boyfriend's on a work trip and my other friend my other best friend is in brazil so like everybody just like went away so i actually had a really nice week weekend and last like few days of just like working and actually yesterday i went to the dumbo house and worked by myself there and wrote for a while and everybody there was like working it was actually like a good productive environment for me and i had dinner there and i've been getting ready because i am going on a brand trip tomorrow so exciting news, free people in Interview Magazine asked me to come cover this event that they're having in Philly. It's a conversation between Cola Scola and Amy Sedaris to benefit an LGBTQ organization. I'm so honored and excited. They sent me so much clothes. So I'm trying to pack, but the problem is I have to be in Boston on Thursday for the Lady Gaga concert and to like help Jake kind of see Boston because he's like never been there and he's moving there. And so... I'm literally going New York, Philly, Philly to Boston. So I get to see Brand though, and I'm like really excited to go to Boston, and it's gonna be, and Philly, and both are gonna be amazing. But I'm currently in like the final moments of panic where I'm like, oh, I have to self tan, oh, I have to do this, oh, I have to pack, oh, I have to do this. And I've been alone for the last few days, so I feel like I'm like totally in a spiral of just like what's going on with my life. But overall, I'm feeling good. <laughs> overall, life's so fun, life's so fun. My book is due two months from right now and so for that I'm just trying to keep my head above water and you know what I'm doing the best job I can and when I come back or for this next weekend I have to prepare to go to East Hampton on a brand trip with Fashion Pass and um, Gals on the Go and I'm really excited for that as well so I'm gonna hang out with my friends and I'm gonna live my truth and it's gonna be wonderful I'm still re-watching New Girl I had a viral tweet about New Girl and I'm feeling really fucking good about it. Now, everyone's like, there's no money in Twitter. Like, why would you want to be a Twitter influencer? I'm like, because it's fun. Because it's creative expression. So 1,000% go follow my Twitter if you don't already follow it. It's just my name. Also, this is a gentle call out to my listeners to go follow Miss Congeniality's Instagram because I want to have more fun on there. But I need more of my listeners to follow it because there are way, way more of you guys than there are Insta followers. And if you are a Miss Congeniality Instagram follower, you're precious. I will take you to my grave and I love you. I really think that's all from me in terms of updates. I wish I had more. I'm reading Ghosts by Dolly. I don't know how to pronounce her last name, but you guys all know it because we talk about it. It's a little slow to start for me. Like, I'm on page 90, and I'm not really sure what the plot is, but, like, I'm I'm not typically, like, a plot-driven book person, but lately I've needed plots to, like, help me get into books. And, like, so far it's just, like, a single woman in her 30s, and she's on a dating app. But And I'm like, okay... And Dolly is an amazing, amazing, amazing writer. Like, the prose is phenomenal. The characters are really good. And the description's really good. But I don't know 
like, there's nothing really keeping me in it. Like, I don't really care about the main character, Nina, I think is her name, yet. And I'm pushing through because I hate abandoning books. Um, and I'm also pissed as fuck that the Jeanette McCurdy book is not available on Kindle. And I just don't know if I'm going to be able to find it. I'm actually going to leave my office in a little while to go looking for it because I want to take it with me on these trips. Um, but I don't know. Oh, a major fucking update. I just remembered Duncan has pumpkin. By the time you're listening to this Duncan has pumpkin, I hope you're sipping on a Duncan ice laxative almond milk latte with pumpkin while you're listening to this. I went and I begged because tomorrow, August 17th is the day that it actually comes back. But I just showed up and was like, hi, may I please have the pumpkin? Like just toss me a squirt. I know you have it. And the guy was like, I'll give you some. And I also saw one of those mini Italian greyhounds like Jenna Marbles had or has, um, throwback weight sorry now my mind my mind is running did you guys know Lohanthony from vine and like youtube did you guys know that he so i saw this on tiktok but effectively like this is pretty sad a lot of people think he underwent like conversion therapy essentially and it was known that he was from like a pretty catholic family from what i understand but basically he like went dark on the internet and then came back like five years after he like went dark and was like a devout catholic trying to like spread and preach the word of god did you guys know that about lohanthony i literally had no clue and i saw this and i was like oh my god that's crazy that's my childhood like he was my favorite him and jenna marbles who are your favorite old youtube slash vine stars wow anyway that was crazy you guys should look into it if you were a fan of his but without further ado, we have a really packed episode today talking all about celebrity memoirs. I'm so honored and excited that these two lovely ladies were willing to come on my podcast and chat with me. So please help me welcome Claire and Ashley of Celebrity Memoir Book Club, and I will see you guys next week. Mwah. All right, guys, I have wonderful guests here today that I've been so excited to chat with, mostly because I'm a fan of their TikTok, and I don't know if I've ever had a guest on the show who I'm like a deep-seated fangirl of, and I don't even know if they know this, but I watch all their videos. Welcome Claire and Ashley of Celebrity Memoir Book Club. Hi, guys. Hi. Thank you. Yeah, I didn't know. I had no idea. Oh my gosh. I'm like, okay, so I'm a big reader, but I think like, and I have so many questions about how you guys got started and everything, but I feel like your TikTok presence is so niche and so fun because I learn about things that I've like never known about or even thought to look into. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, I feel like those are our favorite topics to cover is the ones that like you're not really ever thinking about, but as soon as you hear it, you're like, I did want to know. Yeah, no, it's the kind that. of thing where it's like, I didn't know I needed to hear about that. Like I'm now obsessed. Um, but to get us started before we get into like celebrity memoirs and your social presence, can you guys just tell me like, who are you outside of TikTok? Both like, where are you from? What do you do? How did you meet? All of that good stuff. So we're both stand-ups. We both, our background is in stand-up comedy. We've both been doing stand-up for like eight years now. And so we met doing stand-up if you've never done it it's very much like high school and that because you're running around town all the time going to all these open mics and shows it's a pretty small community and we all know each other so we met like i guess five years ago at this point and hit it off right away i think we bonded over taylor swift i love it <laughs> and we realized there's no britney spears podcast and every comedian has to have a podcast so we we're like okay there's a hole in the market we'll do a britney spears podcast and we started with that it was called hold on one second we're talking about britney spears who's the tabs for short um, you probably have never heard of it. Nobody listened to it. But we did that for about a year and a half until the conservatorship started kind of bubbling up when we yeah. got wind of the Free Britney movement. 
we actually thought it was inappropriate to just be speculating about something that serious. Yeah. The podcast that actually broke it was also two comedians. And even though it turned out they were right, we both kind of felt like it wasn't their place to be acting as detectives and something that was so complicated. So we bowed out because we didn't want to talk. We didn't want to laugh and joke about Britney Spears anymore if it turned out she was in peril. Yeah. Like a lot of our podcast was us like kind of making fun of the fact that she was always wearing cargo shorts and then like when all of this information came to light, we were like, well, that's not funny. I do want it to, I want this information to become public, but like comedy podcasts are not where that's like not speculation should be happening. Yeah, absolutely. That totally makes sense. Um, yeah. So then we started a second podcast called we're in a fight with Claire and Ashley because we felt that there people don't really, we feel like talk about female friendship in the same way that they talk about relationships. There's so much information out there about like what to do with boyfriends and this and that. Like if, if he's not texting you back, like should you be upset? There's like not really a lot of conversations about like what female friendship is like. I feel like when people, like there's not a lot of conversation about fighting with your friends, especially like friends argue. It's not about boys. Like you just get into arguments with your friends and no one ever talks about it. And so we were like, we'll do a podcast about it. We were not equipped to talk about it. <laughs> it should have been like a licensed therapist. It like really put a strain on our friendship. Yeah, I feel like with dating podcasts, anyone can do one because anybody is happy to come on and talk shit about the guy they went on one date with. But yeah. women aren't going to come on and talk about the secret, deep-seated resentment they have towards their childhood friend that they still see regularly. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. But it is such an interesting topic. And, like, every time I'm talking about it on my podcast or, like, answering questions about it, I'm like, we really need to be treating our female friends like we treat, like, our romantic relationships because, like, it's really no different. But we, like, almost just take for granted that they'll always just be our friends and that we're never going to change, that there's never going to be, like, a breakup or, like, a point of contention. Like, we act like our friends are just, like, never going to be any different than they are right now. Like, that we're always just going to be friends with them. And I feel yeah. like it's so complicated. And I feel yeah. like that's really, like... A lot of it, I think, is because you're, like, in a relationship or you're not. Like, with a boyfriend yeah. or, like, with a romantic partner, like, you, there are these, like, defined stages that you should be working towards at all times. Like, you get together, then you're exclusive, then you're moving in together, then you're, like, engaged, and then you're married or whatever. Like, every sect of society has, like, their order of relationship. But in friendships, like, you have lots of friends, and you can kind of, like, move back and forth between serious and not so serious, and, like, there's no conversation that, like, needs to happen, so it just never happens. Also, I feel like in female friendships, we're all in these group friendships a lot of times. You have friends, and they have friends, and that that magnifies the dynamic to an exponential power, whereas if you're dating somebody, you're dating that one person, not a lot of other people should be involved in that relationship. Unless you're in a yeah exactly or you're in a yeah. tricky poly situation but if you're in a group of five women and you guys are in a group chat and you and one of them have a breakup it impacts so many people Everybody. and it changes the dynamics of so many things and it's just so much more complicated yeah no absolutely so you guys had your second podcast what happened after and that was about friendship and it we it didn't go well we fought a lot and then we decided that pop culture is what we like talking about um, but we, like, because the Free Britney movement and all that stuff, we're like, all right, there's clearly, this was, like, honestly, before a lot of these documentaries started coming out that are kind of, like, apologizing to the women of the 2000s. Yeah. But we are like, listen, there's clearly, like, a very toxic, like, celebrity culture conversation. There's a toxic culture around talking about celebrities. I don't know how to say this. 
But if we read celebrity memoirs, I think there were a couple really big ones that had just got announced and were just coming out. And we were like, this could be a really interesting way to talk about celebrities in a way that feels not so fucked up because we're judging them based on the information they want us to have. Yeah. Like, we're not digging through the dirty laundry. We're not, like, following them around like paparazzi. We're not, like, speculating beyond belief. Like, obviously, we do speculate. Obviously, we do jump to conclusions. But, like, we're drawing those conclusions off of the info they themselves publish. Yeah. I actually, I think that's why I like your account so much because I have, like, a tried and true issue with people, like, I think the Swifties are a perfect example, and they always get mad at me when I say this, but I'm like, isn't this weird? Like, if someone says one thing about Taylor Swift that you don't like, you're sending them death threats and, like, graphic messages wishing, like, sexual violence on people who said they didn't like a Taylor Swift song. Like, what are you doing? Like, she wouldn't want you to do that. Or, like, the just absolute wild projections people make about, like, Harry Styles and Olivia Wilde or, like, Taylor Swift. Like, it kind of, like, scares me. I'm like, they're humans. Whereas, like, I feel like it makes a lot of sense that you guys are talking about celebrities in a way that's, like, we took the information they gave us, and we're having a conversation about it now. Yeah, I kind of think about it, like, OnlyFans, the ethical consumption of pop culture. Yeah. This is something where the means of creation are controlled and owned by the individuals themselves. And you're allowed to not like a person. You're allowed to find a person annoying or fake or not believe them. But we're basing it off of, we give them ample opportunity to tell their story and now we get to draw a conclusion yeah so you guys start the podcast when did you guys start it and when did it sort of like start catching fire we started september of 2020 we were initially going to launch it in march of 2020 (laughs) which i don't know if you know but that was like a pretty chaotic month that wasn't a good yeah um so then we pushed to june of 2020 and then we were like all right let's just wait for a while um we were like we were honestly like we decided to wait till the pandemic was over which never happened and yeah. so then we decided to launch september 2020 we were like that's long enough and um i wouldn't and- say there was any real moment where it like blew up there's been we have i call them tentpole episodes which are definitely specific episodes that kind of catch the moment and become viral olivia yeah. munn i would say was our first not even holly madison was our first viral TikToks. Okay. Yeah. And then the next one was Olivia Munn. Okay. And then I'd say Yolanda Hadid was a big one. Yeah. Um, Emily Ratajkowski. We read Will Smith. And so, of course, after the Oscar situation, that kind of retroactively became big. Yeah. And then Rachel Hollis was big for us. And then just this last week, our Danielle Bernstein episode sort of blew up. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I want to get into all of that. Um, but before I do, clarifying question, are you guys full-time podcasters? Like, is this now your main gig? Yeah, I think I have, I think we've both been full-time on the podcast for, Claire's been full-time since last fall, last summer. And then I have been since, like, December. I finally, like, let go of my last freelancing gigs, like, working into the new year. Yeah, and you guys still do stand-up? Yes. Yeah. Okay, love it, because I have to come see it now. Um, yeah, we do I, a monthly show in Williamsburg that's really fun. Wait, oh my god, I want to yeah. come. I'm definitely going to come. It's Nikki's Unisex, the first Thursday of every month at 7.30. Everybody should come check it out. It's free, it's fun. Oh, hell yeah. Yes. I'm coming. Okay, so now to dive into the celebrity memoir of it all, what are both of your favorite celebrity memoirs that you've ever read? And I guess 
that's a big question. So it can be your favorite for any reason. Like it can be your favorite because it's a hot mess and it's fun to talk about, or it can be your favorite because you genuinely thought it was like actually good. Yeah, it's like hard because those are two like very specific categories for us are like yeah. the ones that we loved talking about and the ones that we like actually really liked. And I think the ones that we actually like are not really that fun for the podcast because it's just us being like, wow, this person is great. Like, I think one of my favorites that I liked was like probably Molly Shannon. Yeah. Um, and then maybe like Tiffany Haddish was a really great one, but like neither of I think they're fun episodes for sure, but like, I mean, it's obviously the funnest when we're like, man, this person sucks. Yeah. I was not a memoir reader going into this podcast. And I think if the podcast ended tomorrow, I don't know that I'd ever read another memoir, to be honest. <laughs> if the, I don't know if this is bad for business, but I'm so burnt out on them. I mean, yeah. you read one a week. And yeah. I don't, to go back and be like, what did I love? I don't know. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> I, I was like, I've always been a big memoir reader. Like I have other ones that I would read, like not even for the podcast. I just like them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it has been a this lot. Is, like, I read Crying in H Mart over Christmas and I read Somebody's Daughter over Christmas and I loved both of them. And they were so both recommendations from our listeners that I knew we would never do for the podcast. Yeah. I think. The celebrity memoir is a very specific functional book type that I'm not drawn to. I don't find it that interesting to hear the plot of somebody's life. I mean, I, I like a much more fictionalized writerly story and that's not really what you get from a celebrity. Yeah. Can we talk about like the function of the celebrity memoir in terms of their career? Like why and when do celebrities write memoirs from your perspective and like, are they really popular or successful? Like, I know some of them are. Like, I read Michelle Obama's, I read Lena Dunham's, I read Tina Fey's. But then there are some people that write them that I'm like, is this, like, what was the point, really? Like, why now? Why Why are you doing this? Like, what is what is the function of them? First of all, I think in the grand scheme of the publishing industry, they are all quite popular. Okay. Like, I think that to be written by someone who has, like, millions of followers on Instagram or something like that, like, even though we're like, who the fuck would read Tyler Cameron's book? I'm sure that his first time writer, quote unquote, memoir did leagues better than like a first time fiction writer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's just like the nature of like celebrity, it sucks. Yeah. I would say, so we divide them into two categories. There's the, the memoir that you wanted to write and then there's a the memoir that someone suggested you write. And the second category we call merch more or less. And so you look at a Tyler Cameron, you look at a Hannah Brown, you look at a Chris Shell. You look at a Christine Quinn, Danielle Bernstein. These aren't stories that have been cooking in their souls for their whole lifetime that they've thought a lot about and are ready to share with the world. These are merch, more or less. It's no different than if they did a collab with a backpack or a nail polish. This is the way the publishing industry does it, is they will send you somebody who interviews you for like one day, they write the book, they come back three months later and you sign off on it. Okay. So they're just churning them out. Do you know what I mean? It's no different than a skin Yeah. Line. Yeah. Whereas gonna... there are other people who I think have had them like brewing in their souls for quite some time, whether it's just like a story they really want to share. Like a lot of times someone who has been like hugely, hugely famous at some point, like Mariah Carey's memoir, like there was a very clear purpose of like, she is reaching a sort like a sort of turning point in her career where I think she's trying to like kind of reemerge and she really wants it. She really wanted it to be very clear that she is like the mastermind behind her music. Like she was not a pawn of the record label. 
it was a book about like her musical abilities and like that's what she was trying to get across like that was the story she needed us to know and like that's a lot of the stories that we get from like sort of like people who were the biggest celebrity in the world and then are now like 52. Yeah. Yeah, it's the second it's the second coming type of book, the yeah. reimagining of the brand, the Jessica Simpsons, her. And then I think there is a third type which is somebody who is an artist who's looking back at their life and genuinely wants to write one. I think there's the writerly memoir of okay. somebody who's like the multi-hyphenate. I would say like a Gabrielle Union, obviously Elena Dunham. This might surprise you, but a Tina Fey, I would consider merch. Really? Yeah. So I, why is would that? Would bet my life that she did not write that book. She okay. wrote that book at the height of her popularity because there was money to be made. If you look at what she had going on at that point, she was writing movies, she was writing and starring in a TV show, she was giving every speech, she was hosting the Oscars. When you look at a schedule like that, there, nobody goes, oh, I'm working 100 hours a week, now's a good time to write a book. Yeah. Your team is saying, strike while the iron's hot, people want a book from you. Someone else wrote that book. She has a very easy voice to copy because her TV shows are in her voice. So from a writer's perspective, she had an entire writer's room of people who knew how to write as human. That's I would get, I think it was someone like Tracy. Whoever wrote it is somebody that's gone on to do their own show and was sort of a Tina Fey prodigy. And Tracy I'm sure that that was Fields. That's what I said, I think oh, it yeah. might be her, but I'm not, I just, I'm not hundred percent sure, but it's somebody in that category. That book, if you went back and read it now, I think you'd be quite disappointed by it. It lacks any vulnerability. There's no openness to it. It is just a collection of, it's merch. If you like Tina Fey, you're gonna love Tina Fey Extra. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I'm curious what percent of celebrities actually write their own memoirs? And then like, how do they find these ghostwriter people? And does it ever come out who they are? I mean, there are some who do like co-writers. Some of them are like very clearly filled. Like some of them are on the like book jacket so around the cover um but i think i think there's like a couple different ways i mean we've talked to a couple of ghostwriters there's like a whole ghostwriter industry i think some of them are connected with publishers and the publisher will be like hey here's some ghostwriters that we think that you would be a fit with and you kind of like speed date with them and like, i think if you're a comedian if you're somebody who's already on the writing side of things you probably know somebody who's a writer who would use the money yeah and then there are journalists who will do it. So like, I think you'll see this on a lot of the music memoirs. A lot of them will do it like with someone and you'll look up who that person is and they're um, a writer for like Rolling Stone who's done, you know, who's interviewed the, that band a few times. And then like maybe the musician like really connected with that writer and was like, oh, this person could probably write my story long form as well. So like, I think. Another example would be Brian Boylan wrote Erica Jane's book and he had been writing the Vulture recaps for Real Housewives. She found him through that, loved his recaps and was like, I bet you could write my story. And now I think from there he's doing a couple of other people's. So once you get your name out there, it's pretty easy. To like, yeah. yeah, got it. So, and what percent of celebrities do you think write their own? Like if you had to guess. I would honestly hope almost none. Like. <laughs> I like really think that there is not a problem at all with having a ghostwriter. Yeah. I think that it depends on how hard you work with them. Like, I think if you're speaking out a ghostwriter that you think really fits your voice and like can tell your story like in the way you want it told and it's like a very collaborative experience, that is, I think, what makes some of the best celebrity memoirs. Whereas, cause like writing books is hard. Like you're writing a book right now. Like yeah. it's not an easy thing to do. And I think that to say like, oh, you're, like a Grammy winning musician and you should also be able to like tell a perfect narrative arc over. Yeah. I think we've 
some people who I think wrote by themselves and I'm like, I wish you hadn't. Like I wish someone had crafted your story into a coherent story. Because it's just bad, like writing wise. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So kind of bouncing the first question I asked you guys back, do you have any celebrity memoirs that you just hated or like you, after you read it, you like walked away from it and you were like, Oh, this person is like legit. Not who I thought they were. Like they are awful. The men are always worse than you would think they'd be. Yeah. It's amazing because they're telling their story from their perspective in a way that they think they come off well. So that's always horrifying to hear them be like, I didn't do anything wrong. All I did was punch her in the face because she made me mad. And you're like, wow, if this is what you're telling, then what are you hiding? Yeah. What yeah. Is so that's always horrifying. Judy Greer we read thinking that that would be incredible. And it was one of the worst memoirs I've ever read in my life. There was nothing to it. So that was disappointing. But for the most part, I've never gotten anything that I was, I've been surprised at how good they are, but I go in pretty cynical. Okay. I guess I wasn't expecting Will Smith to be, I, I that was like my stupidity to like not expect that out of Will Smith. I, I wasn't really, I don't know. I, I would like bought into the hype of Will Smith a little bit, I think. Um, and there are some people who I'll like buy into the hype a little bit and then read the book and be like, Jesus Christ, I should have known. You always should have known. Yeah, so you guys tend to go into this sort of more like cynical than more like hopeful yeah it depends on who the writer is i think yeah like, you yeah. don't like people yeah but it's also if you're reading these all the time it might be hard especially if there's a common yeah. theme of them not being great i think it depends like i would never open up another like rock stars memoir and expect to walk away liking them like i know now that that was like a stupid thing for me to think would ever happen yeah but um, I think, like, there are definitely people that we are very hopeful for. Like, we have Jeanette McCurdy's coming up. I think I feel hopeful that I'll like it. I I've been pleasantly surprised. The Bella Twins? I don't know if you know yeah. that. Yeah. The WWE Bella Twins. They oh, were yeah. on a show called Total Divas. Theirs was one of the better ones we've read. And, and yeah. it wasn't because it was a masterpiece, but they just went in and were very honest and vulnerable. And what we always say, it's really important, don't write your book until you've gone to therapy because you need to be able to have closure and distance and perspective. And they've done that. They've done a lot of work on themselves. They were able to say, here's where we started. Here's the work we did. Here's where we are now. Looking back, these are the lessons that we've learned. And this is the way we've changed our perspective. And this is what we hope to share with you. May you find it helpful. And it was really beautiful and moving because everyone does have a story to tell if they're willing to be vulnerable and honest and work on themselves. You can't stay yeah. stuck your whole life. It doesn't matter how honest you're willing to be if you've never changed. Shania Twain is a good example of somebody who I do think wrote her own book and it was so fucking boring. And she has lived the most incredible, horrific, traumatizing life. Like her life story is unbelievable and it is told so boring. boring. Yeah, that's a bummer. Wait. Because I think that when you're like telling your own story like that and you don't have someone helping you, you, you forget what's important. Like yeah. I literally do not care what you are wearing on that day. I care, like, Tell me how you felt. Yeah, that's that's so true. And if they're not writers and they don't understand that narrative arc, like you were saying, it could be really hard for them to like recognize that those are the details that are important. Mm -hmm. Also, even it can't just be a series of events. It has you have to go back and shape it, and yeah. you have to take a little bit of creative liberties. I think to give your story to a three act cycle. Yeah. So you guys mentioned Jeanette McCurdy, and I'm super interested in this one because I feel like when it came out, the title was a shocker. Can you guys explain like what we know about it so far and kind of what your thoughts are on it are before you've even read it? So we, it, it's actually not out yet. 
So it got announced and the title like really surprised people, but the book itself doesn't come out for like another eight days. Okay, remind me what it's called. So basic, it's called I'm Glad My Mom Is Dead. So basically when, when it came out, I'm glad, my mom died. I'm glad My Mom Died. Sorry, I think it's just, just there. <laughs> um, basically, obviously, people were shocked by that title. She workshopped it for one full year as a solo project. She did it as a one-woman show. We're expecting a lot of great things from her because if you're doing a one-person performance every night, it's going to be good. That's a lot of time and care and consideration that's being put into it. The yeah. story is that she had a horrifically abusive stage mom that gave her eating disorders, stole all her money, pushed her beyond what she really could handle, and expected her to support her mother. And Plus, she was a part of the Nickelodeon machine, yeah. which, like, she was, you know, on a Dan Snyder show, who is, like, very famously one of the people that is a part of the Whisper Network. Like, he's never been formally accused of anything, but, like, I mean, the things that have... I don't know if she'll talk about him, but... I have, like, really been waiting for someone to, like, finally blow the lid off of that situation, and I feel, like, kind of hopeful that she's the only one who will. Yeah, also because she's not in the iCarly reboot, right? No. So, honestly, maybe she will, because maybe she doesn't have anything to hold back from. Oh, my God, so that comes out, so that'll be, you guys, we'll be talking about that next week. Yeah, Yeah, we have an advanced copy, so we will be dropping our episode when the, uh, the book goes live. Oh, my God, that's so exciting. Okay, so I'm definitely gonna be tuning into that. But I'm curious, like, you guys, when you started this podcast, you wanted to talk about celebrities in an ethical way because you were interested in talking about pop culture and celebrities. Pulling back from, like, your work, talking about their memoirs, do you guys have, like, favorite celebrities or, like, do you guys, like, like certain musicians, like certain actors, like certain reality television stars? And I guess going off of that, like, have you ever been surprised by their something that was said in one of their pieces or disappointed and like changed your whole opinion, being someone that like was a fan before. I kind of hold the idea that nobody becomes successful and is a good person. Like no good people really become successful, especially not young. So I don't have a lot of hope for people. I mean, I like Kiki Palmer and Nicole Richie for the most part. I don't really stand celebrities. I mean, we love Taylor Swift. I will not defend her to the end of the earth. I think I'm very disappointed in what she's done post coming out as a Democrat for people's rights. I, I wouldn't say I hold celebrities up. I like what yeah. they do, but I don't Yeah. Uh, I guess it's like, we like pop culture, we like entertainment. There are a couple of people where I think I've, cause I like have, it like definitely is like a fight within me where I'm like, there are definitely people that I like low key stan, but I'm like, no one is good though. And I do think that there is information about people where I'm like, listen, I still love the work. Like, I still, like, when we were talking about Taylor Swift, like, I still would pay, like, a stupid amount of money to see Taylor Swift live, but, like, I also am disappointed in her and a lot of the things she does and says. Um, I also, I don't know, like, one of my toxic traits is that my favorite band in the world is U2, and I was, like, Bono has a book coming out, and I've literally been, like, mentally preparing myself for it because I'm just, like, if I don't like what he has to say, like, how will I feel about the music? But, like, yeah. I was listening to you and, like, crying on my run today, and I'm just like, no, I don't. I think that this music is still, like, an important part of, like, two and a half decades of my life. But, like, also, if the book sucks, I think I just need to forget that it exists and move on. Yeah, so do you guys abide by the separate art from the artist concept? Or, like, how do you take that? No. I mean, where actual illegal things have transpired, I'm like, yeah, Chris yeah. Brown. 
fuck Woody Allen, fuck all those yes. people. But in terms of Taylor Swift has a large carbon footprint, I'm like, that's bad. Right. I but think I still, that I definitely don't feel like I, I think it, also, I think it's just too hard to separate the art from the artist. Like, I'm sorry, but if you can, like, watch a Woody Allen movie still and, like, not think about the amount of, like, people that were conspiring to keep his, like, bullshit theme. You know what I mean? Like, when you yeah. can watch certain things and be like, wow, I'm not even thinking about the networks of people that, like, silenced women and, like, watched him do whatever. Then, yeah. like, good for you, I suppose. Congratulations on being able to fully separate the art from the artist. Yeah. Um, I'm talking about, like, finding people annoying. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. Also- I, I feel like we're talking about just having a nuanced take on people. Like, Britney Spears. We had a Britney Spears podcast. We did not want her in a conservatorship. That being said, the way that people are acting like she is a perfectly well person who is behaving completely normally and we should support her no matter what. I don't believe in that. I don't abide by the idea that we are looking at somebody who's perfectly fine. Of course she's not fine. She's horribly she supported, but being supporting her doesn't mean like screaming yes at every, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. It's very difficult. There's like a lot. I really like having these conversations about pop culture, but like sometimes it can be really hard on the internet because people are fucking insane. Yeah, people, the fan culture kind of stresses me out also. Like I always say like, I'm not really like, I love Taylor Swift's music. If you ask me the last name of her boyfriend or to pick him out of a crowd, I literally couldn't. Like, I just don't care. Like, I hope she's well in her life, but, like, I like her music. You don't know who she's dated? I know. I know who she's dated, but, like, the current guy, okay. Joe, like, I don't know his last name. That's, like, okay, we used to do a bit on the subway where, because when they first came out as a couple, we were like, that is the most forgettable man I've ever seen in my yeah. life. And we used to joke that he was, like, in whatever room we were in at that time. I thought he would get on the subway and be like, Joe? And that's Joe like, always on his train. That's actually a good bit. See, like, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, I, like... I'm not super big on, like, is Taylor Swift engaged? Like, what is she doing? Where is she? Like, where is her house? Like, I don't really care about all of that de- those details. I'm just, like, I love her music. And, like, I hope she's doing well as a person. So the, the fan culture of people being, like, I pissed my pants to see Beyonce live and, like, I got ran over by a car. Like, I'm, like, this is a lot for me. Yeah. I think that's... Yeah, I think more than talking about specific celebrities, I mean, now she, like discussing celebrity culture and the larger implications for all of us. I mean, right now we're talking about the renaissance of apologizing to women, be wrong with the Y2K paparazzi era. Meanwhile, people are trying to murder Amber Heard. And so I think looking at these books, seeing what it was like to be in the middle of them, looking at how people talk about celebrities and why. Because the other thing is, I don't know that every female celebrity is a good person. And nobody's willing to say that. You know what I mean? There is the other side of, I don't know. It is bad that Taylor Swift did this whole documentary where she came out supporting rights for everyone and has been very quiet on abortion, has not been that present, that she is using all these problems. Like, I mean, it is a valid conversation to have, and I do think to not acknowledge the importance of celebrity culture in society is missing a huge chunk of what's going on in the world today. Like, yeah. You have to acknowledge it and analyze it and think about the way people talk about celebrities to understand how people feel about women and rights and the economy and everything. I feel it's very important. I mean, that's, like, been a huge thing for us. Like, the way people think that it doesn't apply to, like, everyone's life and every day. Like, the comments that we get on videos that we make about men after reading a man's memoir versus the comments we get on a video after reading a female memoir, it, like, it... 
it's so stark. It's so shocking. Like, it can be really upsetting. Yeah. I don't know. The fact that people, like, think it's like, oh, it's celebrity gossip. It's so frivolous. It's so stupid. It's like, there's a lot. There's there. a lot there. I wanted to, like, move into asking you guys about specific celeb memoirs that I think my audience would, like, particularly like to hear your thoughts on. With the first one being Danielle Bernstein, because that's kind of a hot, fresh topic. And I saw a lot of um, commentary that you guys were making on TikTok. Do you want to just give me, like, I guess your quick and dirty, your thoughts on it, the shocking parts, your takeaways, for someone who maybe didn't listen to the whole episode, won't read the memoir, and maybe hasn't seen all of the commentary? Well, I would say, first and foremost, they should definitely listen to the episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but basically, our overall takeaway is she's exactly kind of who you thought she was. She is definitely a fraud. We've had so many people write in to say, oh, that job she claimed she had that she supported herself with an entire semester, she showed up to one day and then quit. We had that exact story about a couple jobs she claims. We have reason to question almost everything she wrote. It is a completely made-up, fantasized version of a Sex in the City lifestyle. It's very much a vlog. The way that people accuse TikTok vloggers of romanticizing everything in New York City and only showing the glamour highlights, and that's what it is. It's the least authentic, least vulnerable thing in the world. I don't know that it's evil, but it's written like a gossip girl. Everything has a name drop. Everything has a, this place is cool, but this place sucks. Or this used to be good, but now it sucks. I was wearing this. That's all it is. It's just, yeah, it's very, I mean, my overall takeaway on it is like, I think it's a really interesting look at influencer culture and like how you can really like purchase your way into certain levels of influencing and then certain like I don't know it really the way what you were saying before like the way like the toxic support of like everyone like we don't need to support everyone like we can look at people case by case and say like is there a reason like no one gets to be an influencer just because they like showed up there and said they were like you can say like I don't think this person should have influence I think that most of their influence is like overall like spans from like worthless to dangerous you know what I mean yeah Totally. I'm probably not going to read it, but I was, I felt like I assumed that it was going to be written in that kind of style. Do you know what I mean? You don't have to read it. We read the book, so you don't have to. Yeah, no, I have to listen to the episode because I feel like it would be, it would be shocking if she came out with like a book that had any sort of addressing of like the things that she's been accused of or like any of that drama. Yeah. The only thing that she mentioned is that she like, she mentions getting caught up in sort of like you know, the way that in the fashion industry when they send samples for fashion shows, like, it does, it is, gets really hard when you're, like, outside of the body norm and you can't fit into samples. And, like, she said she got caught up in, like, sort of photoshopping herself to look a little smaller. And it's, like, a little smaller. Okay. Yeah. I didn't do that. And it, I guess my, like, one of my biggest problems with the book is I think when someone gains a position of influence and something has been hard for them, when they just, like, keep perpetuating it for generations to come do you know what I mean yeah it's like if she felt that like being a size like six was really hard then like why does she continue to perpetuate like these body standards by photoshopping herself into oblivion yeah gotcha okay so that was my first one the second one that I'm really curious to hear about is Leandra um and the reason I'm so curious is like I think my audience is a lot of people that like were disappointed but not surprised when all of that went down with her like I know so many people that were like huge fans like I loved her Instagram account I've also read the book 
Um, and I was like that whole thing. And I, I paid for like the Patreon to get the full up ep- that full, um, podcast episode that came out about her. So I feel like I know a good deal about everything that went down, but I'm curious to hear your takes on Leandra and the memoir. Did you know I worked there? No. I was, I, I worked for her for like a little over a year. Oh my God. Wait, that changes everything. <laughs> so that one, we definitely were not. That was not necessarily the ethical consumption of pop culture where we were working strictly from the text. Like, yeah. I do have experience with her, and so it was influenced. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that was another similar one where it is, I mean, I think that, like, honestly, like you said, that other podcast, The Cutting Room Floor by Rachel Omondi, um, I think is, like, honestly the place to go for a Leandra breakdown, and then you can come yeah. to our episode for, like, sauce on top. But yeah. Um, it, it is just like that exact thing that you learn from that episode where she is just like a extremely privileged person who like has no understanding of it. I think she like really lucked into being on like the ground floor of blogging and like, I don't know, it's kind of similar honestly to We Were What, where it's like what she did with her position was like boring and bad. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious, do you guys think that she'll ever do anything again or do you think she's just like done and like gonna just post on instagram claire you have heard your assessment about how she never wanted to be yeah i mean based on what ashley has told me and the archetype of leandra medine that i I have known in my life i think the success of her blog is a mistake i think she wanted to be celebrated and she wanted to be seen as fashionable and i'm sure it's amazing to have front row access to fashion shows and get free clothes and stuff i don't think she ever intended to be an entrepreneur or a lifestyle guru i think i remember when the first uh, BLM call-out started happening with her. I went, oh, she is going to use this as an opportunity to just fucking leave. And like Jenna marbles it. She never wanted to be this successful. She wants to be a stay-at-home mom who's just dressed better than everyone else and gets, gets to do cool things. So I think she'll always have a newsletter. She'll always have a little bit of her foot in the door. She'll always have a cool Instagram. But I don't think she wants to wake up and hustle and grind and build anything. I think she she was rich. She married Richard. Her husband is the heir to Dwayne Reed. A lot of people don't know that. I did not know that. His, like... No, not the heir to, like, so his grandpa, like, created yeah, it and sold it. And so he's the heir to a Dwayne. I mean, that's the Dwayne fortune. fortune. Okay. He's not actively making money off of your toothbrushes today, but he he has a lot of money. She has money. They're going to make more. He'll make more money. That's what she wanted. She didn't want to actually have to be anywhere at some time and be, she didn't want to be held yeah. responsible for thinking about diversity. She wanted to be like, if you think I dress cool, I'll tell you how I dress, but I'm not actually interested and dressing other body types. I'm not actually interested in hearing other voices. She just wanted a place where she could revel in her. I think one thing that I learned from working there was like how shockingly uninterested she was in hearing anyone else's voice besides her own. Like she really, really had no interest in it. Yeah. And so um, I think that, yeah, like Claire said, I think that like, you know, you know the whole story of like, she dated her husband in high school and college and then he broke up with her. And then she like decided to like, ignore him to get him back and I think that she just like needed a project she needed to be like look I'm doing something really cool on my own I don't need a husband I'm not trying to get married I'm just doing my own cool thing and then as soon as she had like a cool thing going on he was like oh I love you now and then they got married yeah and she was like okay got it back the end but then it got too big like she accidentally she accidentally stumbled (laughs) into being the CEO of a company I feel like what you just said that she isn't interested in hearing anybody's voice and she also like didn't want to do it at all really is evidenced by her exit like the way that they talk about the exit on the cutting room floor podcast is like 
she basically just like woke up one day and was like we're done like it's canceled and like sent them an email and they're all like what and like she did say she like deeply regrets how it was handled but like it was very clear that she just like stayed up one night and was like this is it like this is my time to just be like we're done yeah it's kind of nuts i had no idea that you worked there that's crazy okay well the next one i wanted to talk about was the jamie lynn spears i just feel like that one has a lot there i forgot i always forget about that one that was such a moment in time that was so heated and important and then as soon as it came out it was done yeah um i mean yeah i feel for jamie lynn i wish she hadn't done the book when she had it was very damning timeline wise. Yeah. I think that she does have a story to tell. When you think about what happened to her, that she also was a child star, who was a Dan Schneider girl, who then was publicly slutching by all of America to the point that she had to go into hiding and she had to be pregnant alone in a cabin because nobody was allowed to see her. I mean, ever, to have a team and your own father trying to pressure you into an abortion. I mean, we're pro-abortion rights, but if someone doesn't want one, you can't pressure somebody into having one. Like that's so yeah. fucked up. She gets to do what she wants to do with her body. Um, she had a horrific story to tell. Unfortunately, by timing it the way she did, there's nothing to say except that she capitalized on Britney's situation. Clearly, she did not speak out and help Britney in the way that she knew to. I do think that there was room for her in 15, 30 years to come back and say, I was so brainwashed by my upbringing. I think when you look at what happened to her, she was told, you got pregnant, you're going to stop making money. That means that you have to go be alone in a cabin. Like, that was her punishment, and she took it. Yeah. So I don't think to her, a conservatorship is that crazy. She essentially was in a mini one when she deviated from the agenda yeah. one time. So I don't know that she knows how fucked up her family is. However, in the book, she does not come to that conclusion. She does not go, looking back at what I went through, I wish I had been more unified with Brittany. I wish I had shown more solidarity. I'm sorry for what I let happen. I see now the error of my ways when I write it all down like that. It's very much like, this is what happened to me. And then Brittany was crazy and we did our best and we don't know. And the way that she was not able to come to Brittany's defense, be apologetic. And then also kind of, she really supports her dad in the book in a way that's pretty fucked up because her dad was abusive and an alcoholic. Yeah. And the idea that you could know that and still think he should be in charge of Brittany. She just shouldn't have done it. There's no forgiving it. And I, I'm sorry yeah. because I think she had her own story to tell. Yeah, I think she had her own story to tell. I think that she is like really not smart, and I think that she's really both brainwashed by like years and years of being a part of like a really fucked up system and family. And also, I think that she's like very easy, easily manipulated by like I think you can walk up to her and be like, "Hi, I'm Ashley, and I want the best for you. So here's what you should do next. Like, go on." like public television and stand on your head and say the ABCs, she'd be like, okay, that's what I have to do because this person is looking out for me and wants the best yeah. for me. Like she really does not think for herself in any way, which like, unfortunately is extremely, like had like devastating consequences for Brittany. Yeah. I think she is an interesting case study though about when personal responsibility comes into play because when you are somebody that's been in the system since you were that young, of course, she could not stop what happened to Britney. She was 16 years old and pregnant and in hiding when the conservatorship went down for Britney. Nobody yeah. can blame her for that. She was a child. At this point, she is in her 30s and a mother of two. At what age is she responsible? Like at some point, she was no longer innocent and she couldn't claim ignorance. Yeah. And I think yeah. it is interesting to say, when is it somebody's fault for the way they acted? Like when is their silence? A problem yeah I agree with that and I do think like I totally agree with you when when it was announced I was kind of like 
damn, there was really a time for this. It's just like not today. Like you definitely have a story to tell. It's just like, this is not going to be the one. Yeah, for sure. I think like Claire said, if she had done it 10 years from now and like really reflected and like, like given us the truth, I think it could have been really interesting. Yeah, I totally agree. Okay. So topical one, I guess, because of Selling Sunset is like all their age, Christine Quinn. What are our thoughts? I mean, if she is able to turn her Selling Sunset fame into like a long stint in the public eye, I'm fucking proud of her, honestly. Yeah. Like, I didn't like her book. I, I don't think she's a good I person. I have a different take. I don't think she turned her Selling Sunset stint. I think she turned the fact that her husband's like worth half a billion dollars. And I'm actually not that impressed by people who are able to take $500 million and become famous. Yeah. I think that that's very easy. I think if you want to be front row of a fashion show when you're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on fashion, then like, congrats. Yeah, I, I, I find it very think, unimpressive. I, I don't mean, I don't think she's done it yet. I'm saying, I think that like, she has turned $500 million into relevance currently. And I think maintain relevance is harder to do. I think if in like seven years, I still remember who Chris, Christine Quinn is, fucking good for her like yeah. I don't know I think that that is hard to be famous for a long time yeah I'm wondering like do you guys think that celebrity memoirs like help people's relevance like Jeanette McCurdy isn't the most relevant like celebrity in the world right now like do you think that her memoir will help her to like research onto the public scene especially if it's good yeah yeah I, I think anything any piece of media that you put out there that gets your name back out there and that people like you about you know yeah. Yeah, I think that I hadn't really thought about her very much at all, except for like she would really pop up on TikTok or something. And I'd be like, oh yeah, oh my god, Jeanette McCurdy. And then, I mean, with this book, I see her. I don't know if she's getting tags in her videos every day, but like, I feel like I've been hearing about her a lot. So I think she'll be able to turn this into a resurgence if she wants to. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Um, my last one that I was curious about is Priyanka Chopra Jonas. I feel like I just see like. The, what I see for, about her, and I've never, like, looked into them, but what I see from her is always, like, something drama, like, this, that, and the other thing about them. So I'm curious your take on the books. I didn't read it, and I don't know that much about it. I think the funny thing about celebrity memoirs is that they tend to... Um, they tend to verify the weird vibes you get. Okay. Something about Priyanka feels very cold and distant. And I think a lot of people were like, there's something up with her. I don't know what it is. I mean, she's gorgeous. You read her book and it's written incredibly unemotionally. She's very cold. There's no, she comes from a family. I think that really raised her to be like, never apologize. Never say what you did was wrong. It's the best. It worked out just as you wanted. It was all a perfect I mean she tells the story about being sent to boarding school when she was seven and being so scared and lonely that she like would pee in her bed and just sleep there and she's like anyway I'm happy my parents sent me because it taught me to be tough and that wasn't a mistake and nobody regrets it and we're very happy I did it and now I'm better for it and you're just like Jesus Christ I think you'd be allowed to say yeah that was hard I'm sad they did that I yeah. would have been happier with them but there's never a questioning of the decisions there's never there's never like a vulnerability okay yeah mm -hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, I think she's like a really interesting person. That like, I I don't know, I don't, the, it's like interesting when you read a celebrity memoir and like you've just spent like a couple hundred pages like kind of inside this person's brain or like what they want you to know of it. And you close it and you're just like, man, I straight up do not know what it would be like to be in a conversation with this person. Like I do feel like after finishing a memoir, you should kind of have an idea of like, okay, if this person walked into the room right now, 
what would it be like? Yeah. I feel like I, I know, I think I know exactly what it would be like. I feel like it's very noblesse oblige. Like it's the same feeling yeah. you get from meeting Kate Middleton at a meet and greet. Like yeah. you'd be like at Thanksgiving with Priyanka. And there's just a lot of like, oh, thank you so much for coming. It was so nice to see you beautiful. Like a lot of just big baby kissing energy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, that that's such tea. Um, that's interesting. I kind of want to read it now because she kind of isn't en- enigmatic to me and that kind of sounds a bit infuriating, but I'm curious now. <laughs> um, I think she's a lot of confidence. I mean, that's the thing is people who succeed in the entertainment world, I think have a, they have a bit of, a bit of delusional confidence in themselves. Yeah. Otherwise it'll break you. So all of these people who are successful, we're a bit delusionally confident. Like normal people don't become famous. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Okay, so kind of like wrapping things up, I'm curious, do you guys have like a list of celebrities that you would die for a memoir from? Or like just a couple that you would just like love to read, whether you love them or hate them? I think there's like a handful that, I mean, a lot of times I'll like keep thinking about a random celebrity and be like, man, to get more info from them would really fill in a lot of holes for me. Yeah. I think we always say like Katie Holmes, we would love just because of the Scientology part. And then yeah. um, I would love a Wendy Dang memoir. She's not really a celebrity, but I think she is like a secretly super critical person. Globally. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Katie Holmes would be interesting too. And I feel like mm-hmm. the like celeb culture these days and also the influencer culture, like in 15, 20 years, we're going to see a lot of like memoirs from that, those people too. Maybe even like yeah, I I think less because I think that I don't know. I think that we're gonna like in the next couple of years start seeing like TikToker memoirs and like soon probably the Addison. <laughs> like Ray Charlie story. already has a book out. Like it's not a memoir, but like that's crazy. Does she really have a book out? I knew she had a perfume, yeah. but I didn't know she had a full book. It came out last year, I think. Oh my god, I I feel like Addison Ray then is next for the for the memoir. Yeah, yeah. She, Addison Rae will come out with um, teen novels. She'll come out with a series, very Cara Delevingne, like Kendall and Kylie, like Lauren Conrad. She'll come out with like a series of four or five teen books. That's um, my prediction. I am curious on the Kendall and Kylie, like Kardashian memoirs. Has any of them wrote one? And what do you, if any, do you see coming out of that in terms of memoir? Chris we think, wrote yeah. one. Chris wrote one. Caitlin wrote one. We've covered them both on the pod. We think Scott Disick will write one in like 20 years when he needs the cash. Yeah. yeah. I also think we could definitely get one from, like, out of the kids, I could see Mason and Dream spilling pretty big tea in like 10, 15 years. Yeah, I'm actually so curious to see what happens with the kids and like which ones decide to be influencers, which ones decide to like be a Rob which one like I'm curious as to what's going to happen with all of that because I can't imagine that you're going to have a normal life by any token of it no I don't think any of them know anyone that isn't related to them yeah that's actually <laughs> it's just very insulated um well okay my last question was you guys like to read outside of celebrity memoirs if anything or what did you read outside of celebrity memoirs before you did all this because I feel like you just mentioned you read a book a week which is a lot of reading but I assume that you both like to read if you are able to ingest a book a week um over so over the Christmas I read Crying in H Mart which I loved Sylvia's Daughter by Ashley C. Ford which I loved and then I I'm a big Elena Ferrante girl so I read what is it I read one of the short ones where a woman 
I don't know why I'm blanking on the title, but I read one of her shorter books that I was obsessed with. I'm a big Elena Bronte fan. Yeah, no, she's great. Yeah. I'm a big, like, I'm a new fiction person. Like, I hop on a lot of that buzzy stuff. Like, I read a bunch of Taylor Jenkins Reid this year. I did Daisy Jones and Malibu Rising. I really like, I don't know, I really like Nick Hornby a lot. Like, um, he's the guy who wrote High Fidelity yeah. that got turned into like it was a movie a long time ago and then the Zoe Kravitz show um, that's like been one of my like go-to comfort books like that yeah. when we first started this podcast and I wasn't good at like separating my brain as well like yeah. if you read a book that like upset me I would like go read a chapter or two of High Fidelity afterwards because I yeah. was like alright I need to like snap out of whatever the fuck Steve-O just said yeah I need to snap out of this celebrity memoir shit how do you guys um, fit into book talk? I'm kind of curious because I know like a lot of my listeners are like obsessed with book talk and like all the book recommendations. Do you feel like you guys are on that side of TikTok in terms of consumers or do you think that your audience is? Our audience is definitely um, celebrity people, podcast people. I think yeah. like they come for the celebs, but they stay. Me and Ashley banter a bunch for best yeah. friends. So it feels like hanging out with your friends, we hope. Yeah. So I don't think we're part of book talk, honestly. Yeah. yeah. I like see it on my personal TikTok more than I see it on the CNBC TikTok. Yeah. It drives me like kind of crazy when I walk into a bookstore these days and there's a table like in the front that literally will be like Sodom book talk. And I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, this is great because people are making money and like people are buying books. But I'm also like, this is insane that this has become like a piece of a bookstore. I mean, I really... I mean, the publishing industry is, like, a fucking mess. I yeah. do think, like, book talk is keeping, like, is giving it a resurgence. Like, it honestly... So. I also think it's easy to be like, oh, my God, I can't believe TikTok because it's kind of a lower form of media. Yeah. But is it that different than a Reese Witherspoon list or an Oprah list? Do you know what I mean? People yeah. just need somebody to sort through it and give them recommendations. And in a way, it's much more democratic. Yeah. No, yeah. you're absolutely right. Well, with that being said, can you plug where we can find you? I know a lot of my listeners are really excited about this and they know already who you guys are. But for those who are listening who are new, where can we find you on all platforms, podcasts, all the good stuff? So we're Celebrity Memoir Book Club everywhere. I'm Claire Parker. I'm Claire Descare on TikTok and on Instagram. So you guys can find us there. Yeah, and then I'm Ashley Ham with three M's on um everything else amazing and how often does the podcast come out tuesday morning 10 a.m 50 weeks a year i think we already took our summer break so yeah we do like a week off in june and a week off in january but everything else you can catch every tuesday <laughs> oh my god okay i'm gonna have to i'm not like i'm a big like walk on the treadmill and listen to podcast girl if i'm not taking like a workout class so i'm gonna add it to my list because now after hearing you guys talk about some of these i'm like damn i really gotta hear what they have to say like in the deep dive about this <laughs> shit also because i don't read celebrity memoirs and like you were just saying tiktok and also podcasts like gives you guys the opportunity to like sift through things that people don't want to read but they still are interested in hearing about so it's genius i love it thank you thank you yeah well thank you guys so much for coming on i hope everybody goes thank and listen having us and yeah, I you. really look forward to this Janette McCurdy tea that's hopefully going to be within those pages next week. Yes. Me too. All right. Thanks Thank guys you. so much.